Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thanks for joining our webinar session today. This is part of our investor education series that we do for our investors. And, you know, we're just opening up to a wider audience so everybody can get um, a good education as well. Um, today's topic is gonna to be withdrawing 401k without penalty uh, while working with active employer. And I uh, just wanna introduce uh, myself and Shanti over here. So we are from Achieve Investment Group, a company who are vertically integrated in uh, acquiring multifamily apartment uh, using syndication, right? Uh, where we raise money from uh, private investors and um, you know, provide returns uh, you know, that's basically uh, above average uh, compared to um, other investments. And we are basically deal sponsors focusing in Austin and San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we have more than $130 million in asset under management, 1,700 units across nine large apartment complex. Uh, I'm also the author of best-selling book, which I've sold more than 2,000 paid copies. And I also host my own uh, podcast uh, called Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing Podcast. If you guys want, you can join in our Facebook group. Uh, our group is called Multifamily Investors Group. Uh, you'll be able to see a lot of me over there. And uh, we also run our own mentoring program for active uh, investors who want to do like what we are doing right now, where we go and you know, syndicate uh, and buy large apartment complex. At the same time, uh, we are also working on uh, passive investors uh, courses as well. And to connect with us, you can always text ACHIEVE to 38470. That's the fastest way to connect with us. You'll automatically come to our general email list. And if you want to you know, figure out on how to invest with us, uh, you can go to achieveinvestmentgroup.com, achieveinvestmentgroup.com. And there's an invest with us button and you can click on fill up your information and you'll get a calendar link to myself. All right, without further ado, I'm going to pass to uh, Henry. Noak, hold on. Henry, I'm gonna give the control to you. Okay, Henry, are you able to? I'm here trying to, aha, whoop, here we go. Okay, so uh, let's see. All right, you see it okay, James? 
I guess he signed off. So uh, good evening, Henry Novak here. I'm an attorney in Austin, Texas. I've practiced law for over 40 years. Uh, in the last, uh, since 2006. Henry, uh, can, you, can you give me a second? I just have to make sure I'm able to record this, hold on. Okay, can you start from beginning? Yeah, okay. Good evening, this is Henry Novak. I'm an attorney in Austin, Texas. I've practiced law for, for over 40 years. Uh, I started out as an assistant U.S. attorney in the criminal division in Los Angeles and Houston, and from there went into private practice in Houston and then uh, moved to Austin uh, quite a number of years ago, and I've been here for over 30 years. My practice um, over the years has been uh, in the courtroom a lot. I tried a lot of lawsuits involving contracts, which has uh, been one of my specialties over the years, and then uh, a lot of lawsuits involving uh, uh, real estate deals gone south, busted partnerships, things of that nature. My specialty uh, over the years has become uh, commercial business transactions and real estate transactions. And beginning in 2006, I began representing real estate investors and assisting them in doing investing through their IRAs. Uh, about a little over four years ago, late 2016, early 2017, I uh, created this uh, legal process I'm going to share with you tonight, taking uh, in-service distributions out of a 401k without taking a 10% early withdrawal penalty. Uh, the, uh, this procedure that I'm going to share with you has produced uh, significant results in Texas since 2017. Over 400 married couples have freed up in excess of $60 million from employer-sponsored retirement accounts, making that money available to invest in real estate without having to pay the early withdrawal penalty at 10%. And just as of a couple of months ago, we now have an associate counsel in Los Angeles to serve California residents with the same kind of uh, procedure I'm going to share with you this evening. So we talk about an in-service distribution. Uh, what I'm talking about here is a withdrawal from your 401k or 457 or 403b, they're all what are called defined contribution plans. Uh, a withdrawal from one of those uh, plans while you continue to work for your employer, you don't quit, you don't resign, you're not required to change your marital status, you don't get a divorce, you stay married. In fact, you need to be married to do this. The, uh, this procedure does not disrupt contributions to your retirement account. The account will go on. You can take out as much as 100% of the existing uh, balance in your 401k now, uh, and the contributions will continue to go on. And you do not incur the 10% early withdrawal penalty that uh, usually goes along with the withdrawal uh, distribution from a 401k if you're under 59 and a half years of age. Now, I'm gonna use the term 401k a, a lot throughout this presentation, but please understand that this would apply to any of these defined contribution plans like a 457 or a 403b. Yep. Hey, Henry, I just uh, make sure I remind the audience uh, that you know if you have any questions, use the Q&A box, not the chat box, use the Q&A box uh, to ask your question. Um, so one quick question, Henry, is uh, you have to be married to go through this process, right? That is correct, yes. Okay. Absolutely. 
So I'm, I'm going to divide this uh, presentation into two parts. First is uh, how, to go, how we go about taking the penalty-free in-service distribution, what that procedure is. And part two is what to do with the distributions uh, or rollovers after that, uh, that, that first part is, is, is completed. So the legal framework for these defined contribution uh, plans is ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. It is the federal statute that created employer-sponsored plans, and it is a statute that regulates uh, the entire workings of these plans. Now, ERISA is highly protective of assets held in these plans. Uh, the assets can't be transferred or assigned to anyone. They can't be pledged as collateral for loans. They can't be withdrawn during employment, except under very limited circumstances, and then with the imposition of the 10% penalty. And distributions, when they are taken, are subject to the 10% penalty if they're taken by somebody under 59 and a half years of age. And what is significant, probably for the most part, is that ERISA preempts all state courts from taking any action against plan assets. That means no state court in any state can enter an order that can um, attach or assign or seize one of these retirement plans except as provided for in ERISA. Now, one thing I want to be clear about as we start the, the presentation is that IRAs are not covered by ERISA. Yeah, that was one of the questions whether IRA, you can do this for IRAs or not. So what I'm going to uh, share with you applies only to 401ks, not to IRAs. And if you have questions along the line about IRAs and how they may play into some of what I'm going to share with you later, I'll be happy to, uh, to address those. So unlocking the 401k. It's a four-step process. Number one, a married couple signs a marital property agreement transferring the 401k to the non-employee spouse as separate property. Now, under this is a procedure that's provided for by ERISA. The only way money can come out of a 401k without the 10% penalty. The non-employee spouse, the one who is, doesn't work for the company, doesn't participate in the plan, in this system is called the alternate payee. The spouse who's enrolled in the plan is called the participant. So married couples sign a marital property agreement in which they transfer all of the, and I'm gonna assume this is 100% distribution, all of the employee spouses, uh, all of the property in the 401k as separate property to the alternate payee. We will prepare the marital property agreement for you to sign. We then go to court and obtain a court order that directs the plan administrator to transfer the 401k benefits to the alternate payee based upon the terms that you set forth in the marital property agreement. So you tell us how much of the 401k you want to assign uh, to your spouse and we, we draw that up in the marital property agreement and then we go to court and we file this legal proceeding asking the court to enter this order based upon the terms in the marital property agreement. So the court prepares the order, signs it, it, uh, it gets certified by the, the, the district clerk, and then we submit the uh, order to the plan administrator. 
directing the plan administrator to transfer the account into the alternate payee's name in accordance with the terms of the order, which is based upon the marital property agreement. Then when that's done, the step number four is the alternate payee then requests a distribution of the money in his or her account without penalty, or can roll the distribution into a self-directed IRA with no tax consequence. So I want to take each of these steps one by one. So step number one, the spouse has signed the post-nuptial marital property agreement, transferring the balance of the 401k to the alternate payee as separate property. The assets in a 401k that are acquired or that accumulate during the marriage are marital or community property, not separate property. Now here in Texas, we talk about community property, but in other states, states other than Texas that don't have community property, it's just considered marital property and the rights to share in marital property in non-community property states are based upon pretty much the same principles as community property states. So, so Henry, uh, I have a question. Yeah. So you said post-nuptial, so does that mean they don't have to get a divorce, right? That's it's correct, still, yeah. It's, it's, it's still it's stay after, married. That's right. It's an after-marriage uh, agreement. So this agreement is provided for in the Texas Family Code that says at any time spouses may transfer and assign uh, between themselves all or part of their present or future community property as they desire. Property transferred or assigned ex exclusively to a spouse becomes that spouse's separate property. So, what is separate property? It's, it's, this is the definition of the law of what separate property is. It's money or property acquired by a spouse before marriage or acquired by a spouse by gift or inheritance during the marriage. Money a spouse receives at any time as compensation for personal injury or and what's most important here is property agreed upon by the spouses as separate property of one or the other. So the significance of separate property is that on the death of a spouse owning separate property, that property will pass to that spouse's heirs, not to his or her spouse. And in a divorce, separate property is always awarded to the spouse who owns it. So that's, that's an important aspect to, to understand about separate property, not as, a, not as a hindrance to going through this, but just so, you know, like all the cards are on the table, this is what separate property is about in, in marital property and in, in, in the marriage terms. So step number two, we go to court and we obtain what's called a qualified domestic relations order from the court that directs the plan administrator to transfer the 401k to the alternate payee based upon the terms of the assignment set forth in the marital property agreement. A qualified domestic relations order is, a, is an order of a state court that assigns to a spouse the right to receive some or all of the benefits payable to the 401k participant spouse. The domestic or the qualified domestic relations order must be based on one of the three following domestic relations matters, a divorce decree, a child support order, or a marital property agreement. Now 99.9% of qualified domestic relations orders that are processed by plan administrators, like Fidelity, Vanguard, uh, and all the rest of them, 
are based on divorce decrees. And very, very rarely does a marital property agreement show up as the basis for a, a qualified domestic relations order. Steps number three and four, on receipt of the order then signed by the court, the plan administrator will create a new account in the name of the alternative payee in the plan. And then the 401k assets are transferred into that account as directed by the quadro, as we call it. So for an example, if, uh, if a client works for Microsoft and assigns 100% of, let's say, his 401k uh, to his wife, uh, Fidelity, that administers the Microsoft plan, will create this alternate payee account within the Microsoft retirement plan, 401k plan, and then transfer the money from the husband's 401k into the account, into the wife's account, the alternate payee's account. And once that's done, the alternate pay, well, once that's done, the plan administrator will send out a notice to the alternate payee, to both spouses actually, but to the alternate payee advising what, what the um, options are for taking the distribution or not, or rolling it into an IRA. And uh, then the alternate payee makes a request for the distribution based upon whatever the uh, spouses decide they, they want to do with the money as it comes out of the 401k. Now, if the an outright cash distribution would create too much of a of a uh, income tax hit because that distribution is going to be taxable in the year of the distribution. It's too much of a hit. Part of it can be taken out as a distribution and the rest of it could be rolled into a self-directed IRA or any other kind of tax deferred account, but they can be split up that way to avoid the uh, seriousness of what could be a really uh, extreme escalation into a higher tax bracket. So those are the four steps, uh, and the uh, this is the, what the flow chart looks like. It goes from the participant's 401k to the alternate pays new account, and then it comes out as a distribution or rollover from the 401k. Now, how the here's how the process begins. You will fill you would fill out this retirement plan partition intake form. It's a four-page form. I'm only showing one page here, but it gives us all the information, and I'll show you how to get the access this plan later on in the presentation. But once this is filled out completely, giving us all the information about each of the spouses and the plan that's going to be uh, uh, assigned to the non-employee spouse, that it comes into our office, and one of my legal assistants then sends an engagement letter to the clients filling out the intake form and a QuickBooks electronic invoice for $3,500, which is a legal fee and $477 for court filing merchant services and delivery fees. So the, the invoice comes out to $3,977. So that's, that's the process for uh, an overview of the process for money coming out of the 401k. Now, part two, uh, distributions and rollovers. These are the options that are available once the 401k is unlocked. On the right-hand side is where the money comes out in cash. 
and you pay tax on it. it you can invest it in real estate as it comes out, in which case the earnings are taxable. Uh, if, if the investment is in a multifamily deal, then chances are pretty good that the, that the um, um, expenses that are allocated uh, to the uh, investor are going to offset the income from the uh, from the multifamily deal, but not, not in every time, not in every case. Uh, or since you're going to pay tax on it, you could you could roll it into a Roth IRA, in which instance the earnings are tax free. And I'll go into some more details about the Roth IRA in just a little bit. But if you want to defer taxes, then you have several options for uh, directing the money out of the 401k and into one of these tax deferred, tax deferred accounts. And you can see them listed there. And as I go through this presentation uh, shortly, I will go through each of those for you. So you take a cash distribution and pay the tax. 20% is gonna be withheld for income tax by the plan administrator. There's, there's no way around this. Whenever money comes out of a deferred uh, uh, tax retirement account, you got to pay tax on it. And the Internal Revenue Code requires the plan administrator to withhold 20% of that distribution for taxes. And they, they pay it over to the IRS, just like uh, your, your employer withholds part of your paycheck for, uh, for federal income tax. This is the same principle. The plan administrator withholds this 20%, pays it to the IRS, and I'll show you in just a little bit how they, they account for that with the IRS. But when the money comes out, you've got then 80% of whatever you asked for the distribution to be. So if it was a $100,000 distribution, you'd end up with $80,000 of money that you could uh, allocate towards your real estate investments. You could purchase one or more investment properties. You could, be, you could become a passive investor in a multifamily acquisition, become a lead investor sponsor in a syndication. You could put money in a money market account to increase your liquidity. Why would you do that? Well, a lot of times when sponsors of syndications uh, go get an agency loan, a Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae loan, they've got to have uh, they and or guarantors along with them have to have enough liquidity to satisfy Fannie and Freddie loan qualification uh, um, criteria. And uh, right now I think it's, uh, they require the, the guarantors on the loan to have liquidity equal to 12 months of debt service. James, correct me if that's not correct. I, I think it went up since this COVID thing. Is that right? Um, no, you, uh, usually the liquidity is 10% of the loan value. That's what 10% of the loan value plus the uh, liquidity, liquidity okay. requirement as well. Uh, so, I didn't, uh, I didn't so, hear that, but it might be true. I, I, I think it is. Uh, so somebody with a large uh, liquidity can sign, as, sign on as a guarantor with a syndication sponsor and get a little piece of the action for doing that. Or the money could be deposited into a self-directed Roth IRA, and I'll go into that in just a little bit. So this is how the plan administrator accounts to the IRS for the withholding of the tax. This is a 1099-R. And this is what is sent out in January of each year to the distributee, to the alternate payee in this case, of the money coming out of the 401k, and it goes to the IRS, just like all 1099s do. 
So at the very top under box number uh, one, you see the withdrawal is 100,000, the distribution is $100,000, the tax pool amount is $100,000. Over here in box number four, there's the $20,000 federal income tax withheld. And then uh, in box number seven, if you look at, the, if you look at that, uh, box number seven, the distribution code says two. That is the code to the IRS that says this distribution is not subject to the 10% early withdrawal penalty. That goes out in January of each year. So let's talk about rollovers now. A rollover occurs when money is moved from a 401k into an IRA. That's a direct rollover or from an IRA into a 401k. That's a reverse rollover. I'll talk about those in a little bit. So let's go into some uh, basic terminology here. Direct rollover occurs when the funds are moved directly from an employer 401k into an IRA. In this case, the retirement plan administrator wires the 401k funds directly to the custodian of the tax deferred account. There's no tax consequence, there's no withholding, it's a direct transfer of funds from one tax deferred account to another. In an indirect rollover, this occurs when the distribution is given directly to the payee. So this would be a situation where the, uh, in, in the hypothet, uh, Fidelity would write a check for the net amount, $80,000, to the alternate payee and just send the, check, send the check to her. Now, in order to avoid paying income tax on that amount, if that's what the, if that's what the, the couple chooses to do, let's say that they want to they, they take the money out, they get the distribution, and now they, they, they literally have 60 days to decide whether or not they want to go ahead and pay the tax on that and invest it, or they want to put it into, uh, roll it into another tax deferred account. So to avoid paying income tax on 100% of the distribution, the payee must redeposit the exact amount into another tax deferred account within 60 days. Now, caveat here is that 20% of the distribution has been withheld by the plan administrator. So if you were to just decide you wanted to make that entire distribution tax deferred, you would have to put the $80,000 in hand plus another $20,000 of cash on hand into the IRA to avoid paying the income tax on the entire $100,000. And if that was done, then you would apply for a refund with 20% of the uh, distribution that was withheld by the, uh, by the plan administrator and paid over to the IRS. So the 60-day rollover exemption looks like this. When the, when the money is, um, the 401k distribution is redeposited in the tax deferred account, the funds are no longer considered as distributed. They become tax deferred again, but the failure to redeposit the funds within the 60-day period will result in the funds being deemed distributed and the full amount will be taxed as ordinary income in the year of distribution. So in the reverse rollover, this is a transfer from an IRA into a current employer's 401k. Now, this uh, taking money out of a 401k works for both a former employer 401k and a current employer 401k. It works for a private employer. It also works for a state employer or a county or a municipality employer. Uh, 
So the, in any one of these uh, 401k accounts, money can be rolled from an IRA back into the 401k. So why, why would anybody do this? Well, because the quadro, that is the, the uh, order under which the 10% early withdrawal penalty is avoided, <coughs> excuse me, only works with the 401k, not with the IRA. So by transferring the IRA into the 401k before doing the in-service distribution, the payment of the 10% early withdrawal penalty is avoided because it's gonna come out with whatever the distribution is from the 401k. So um, by way of example, let's use that $100,000 in the 401k type of that. And let's say we got $50,000 in an IRA that belongs to the participant in the plan. And he rolls that money from the IRA back into the 401k. And now it's $150,000 in the 401k. And if 100% distribution is taken, then it'll be the 150,000 that'll come out less the 20% or less the $30,000 that's withheld as tax. And the net amount is $120,000 cash in hand that could be invested in real estate. Now, if the tax is gonna be paid, you would wanna consider rolling it into a self-directed Roth IRA. A Roth IRA is a retirement account that's funded with after-tax dollars. The gains in a Roth IRA can be withdrawn tax-free after the account has been open for five years. However, if you withdraw the money, if you withdraw those gains before age 59 and a half, you have to pay the 10% early withdrawal penalty, except on the actual contributions to the Roth. Those are after-tax dollars. There's no penalty when those come out, but any earnings that you make on the investments in the Roth uh, will be subject to the 10% early withdrawal penalty up until you're 59 and a half years of age. There'll be no tax on that money, but you got to pay the early withdrawal penalty. Uh, the maximum contribution to a Roth IRA is $7,000 for 2020. There's, there's no required minimum distributions at 72 and a half years of age for a Roth like there is in a, in a regular, uh, regular IRA. Now, because the maximum contribution for the Roth is $7,000, that doesn't mean you can't go over that contribution with a rollover. So when you're rolling money, out of the 401k into a Roth, you could, you could roll $120,000. You could roll all that money, $130,000 if you wanted to, of the hypothetical distribution. You could roll that into the Roth and that's okay. You just can't make an annual contribution of over $7,000. Now, avoiding uh, income tax by transferring to another tax deferred plan. So. Here are the other plans that could be uh, uh, considered for tax-free distributions. The health savings account, the self-directed IRA, a solo 401k, or a SEP, a self-employment pension. So let's look at a health savings account. Now this is a real, a very interesting uh, kind of an account. It's, I think it's very valuable for a family. It's a tax-deferred account that's used to pay for qualified medical expenses. Payments for qualified medical expenses are tax-free. So you can have this tax-free money coming out of a 401k into the health savings account 
and then pay out of that account for medical expenses that are also tax-free. Uh, annual contributions to an HSA are also tax-deductible, and it's self-directed. You could investments can grow. You can buy a real property in a uh, HSA and have it continue to throw off income, and it'll go back into the HSA tax-free until it's withdrawn from that account. Hey, Henry, so, uh, one question. Yes. So, so are you saying from you can take money from HSA and invest into passive real estate investment? Yes. Yeah, if you have enough money in there. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. So how do you fund the health savings account? You have to go through a side door. Uh, 401k monies cannot be rolled directly into an HAA. You have to first set up a, what's called a conduit account, a traditional IRA, and then roll the, roll the 401k into that account and then transfer it to the HSA. Now, I, I mentioned there were annual contributions uh, uh, to the HSA once it's set up. Uh, $3,500 for an individual and $7,100 for a family. But again, those limits do not apply to a rollover. So you could, you know, you could roll over a lot of money into an HSA. Um, but you can only do that once in a lifetime. You can only uh, go above the contribution limits one time. So if you were really wanting to seed, seed S-E-E-D, that HSA with a substantial amount of money, you probably have to do it when you rolled it out of a 401k uh, to get the biggest bang for your buck. Now, to, to create an HSA, you must be enrolled in a high deductible health insurance plan. Um, so the minimum qualifying deductible, high deductible for 2020 for a family is $2,800. That's, that's the only, that's the, the minimum deductible you have to have to go ahead and set up this HSA. Um, now, the maximum amount of qualified medical expenses that can be paid out of HSA for a family is $13,800. And the, uh, the IRS has a list of, of uh, qualified medical expenses that can be paid out of the HSA. And if you, I'm not gonna go into them now because there are pages and pages of them. If you Google qualified deductible, qualified medical expenses, HSA, you're gonna, you'll, be, you'll be stunned at the, at the amount or the number of qualified payments that the IRS allows you. Some things you wouldn't even, even imagine. A lot of uh, alternative health uh, care uh, expenses can be paid out of an HSA. It's quite a, uh, it's, it's one of the few places I've seen where the, the tax um, picture is really beneficial to the taxpayer. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, plus, the deductible, you can cover your deductible on your insurance policy out of the HSA. So it, it's a win-win all the way around if this is something that you've, you would want to uh, uh, avail yourself of. And of course, a high deductible policy usually results in lower insurance premiums. Yeah. Sorry about that. Now, um, the self-directed IRA. Self-directed IRA is tax deferred, is a tax deferred interval retirement account that provides increased control and diversification. Most self-directed IRA custodians limit investments to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, but a small percentage of them will allow 
investments in real estate, LLCs and limited partnerships, as well as many other passive investments permitted by the IRS. There are like I don't know, 25 or 26, 27 different kinds of passive investments that the IRS allows from a self-directed IRA. Um, cattle, um, quite, a, quite a number of things. Uh, the, uh, the contribution limits for uh, to, to an IRA is $6,000 in 2020 or $7,000 if, uh, if you're over age 50. But again, uh, rollovers are exempt from the contribution limits. All games, one question, Hen one yeah. question Henry, is yeah. uh, do you have a favorite uh, self-directed IRA custodian? I mean, I've been asked this question many times by my investors, you know, like- Yes, yes. In fact, I've got a list of six or seven if okay. uh, anybody will just email me and I'll give you that information later on. Anybody but, but is, is there one that is better than the rest for, for investors? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to say which is best because the list, the, the companies on my list have all been used by clients of mine. And uh, okay. each person is, I have no complaints about any of them from any of my clients that have used them. So, um, okay. You know. Okay. All right. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Um, so uh, all the investments made by the self-directed IRA, I mean, it's, it's just an IRA that allows the, the owner to, to self-direct it. And how, how you self-direct an IRA through a custodian is you give the custodian uh, instructions, uh, investment instructions on what to do with the money. And uh, if you had a self-directed IRA, and you wanted to invest in a, in a multifamily deal, when, when you receive the, you personally receive the PPM from the uh, sponsor or the, the uh, syndicator, and there's a subscription agreement that comes along with the package, and you decide, well, I want my IRA to invest in that, you take that subscription page, you send it to the custodian, and you say, here, sign this, and become the investor in this multifamily deal, and then fund Let's say you're buying uh, $50,000 worth of equity in a, in a, a multifamily LLC. And then I want you to sign this subscription agreement and then wire the $50,000 out of the IRA to the sponsor. That's, that's how you make the investment. Then withdrawals from IRAs um, prior to 595 are subject to the 10% early withdrawal penalty, but Unlike the mandatory 20% withholding on a 401k distribution, you as the account owner of the, of the self-directed IRA, or, or any IRA actually, can tell the custodian how much to withhold. They don't have to withhold anything if you tell them not to, or you could tell them to withhold 10% or even more. I've had people tell the custodian they wanted to withhold 30% and even tell the 401k plan administrator 20% isn't enough. I want you to withhold 30% for my taxes. But in the IRA situation, if you don't make a choice, and the, the custodian won't usually tell you that you have the choice, but if you, if you don't make it, then the custodian's gonna hold 10, withhold 10%, but they don't have to if, if your desire is that they not do that. So these custodians are approved by the IRS and uh, 
kind of going back to the question you asked James, in deciding upon an IRA custodian, you should look uh, for you know, what your investment options are, your fee disclosures, the expertise they offer, uh, data protection, insurance, reputation, and things like that. Now, uh, people will email me. I will be happy to send out this list. The list is hyperlinked. I mean, the names of the custodians are hyperlinked to their website. So you can go straight there and you can see uh, uh, what investment options are. Now, uh, back to your point, James, there are some of these uh, uh, self-directed IRA custodians that have a wealth of information, educational information for their clients. And I think that's one of the uh, main criteria for somebody looking to uh, transfer money into a self-directed IRA uh, should look for, because some of these uh, websites have just encyclopedic information that you can, uh, you can glean from the, uh, the materials that they offer. And then many of them have, have live seminars, or they used to, live seminars for their clients in some of the bigger cities uh, in, in the U.S. So, um, and not all custodians are equal in delivering value. So, you know, it's, it becomes a pretty personal thing about uh, who you want to, you know, turn your money over to. Now, here's something that uh, is important to know about investing in a multifamily project uh, with an IRA. When the IRA invests in real estate that's been financed by an acquisition loan, it must pay tax on the amount of the gain attributable to the loan. So if the loan LTV, when the apartment complex is purchased, is 70%, the IRA must pay tax on 70% of the gain that it realizes. This is called unrelated debt financed income tax, or UDFI. Sometimes it's confused or gets conflated with unrelated business income tax, or UBIT. And a lot of people use that UBIT term uh, in real estate uh, multifamily deals when they're really talking about UDFI. UBIT, in, in its purest sense, is a tax that, that a tax-exempt uh, organization must pay on a business that it operates that's related to the mission of the tax-exempt organization. The perfect example of that is a, a, a hospital that's a, a tax-deferred organization, tax-exempt organization, and they have a gift store in the lobby, you know, where you go in, you buy gifts from people in the hospital. That's a business activity. That would be subject to income tax or uh, the UBIT tax on the amount of net income. Uh, that's different than tax on, on a, um, a, a gain based on a loan-to-value ratio in a real estate investment. Now, the, the kicker here is that the UDFI tax rate is 36%. That's the trust tax rate, same rate in which uh, um, trusts are taxed. Now, this brings up the question, well, I invested with my IRA in a multifamily deal. What, what happens when the, uh, um, um, the sponsor or the manager starts doing uh, issuing K-1s at the end of the year? Uh, what do I do with, uh, with my allocation of the deductions? Well, if it's an IRA, you can't use them. Too bad. There's no tax basis 
in money in an IRA because tax has not been paid on that money, so you can't use it at all. But the one exception that if, if you've invested in a multifamily deal that has a loan, has, let's say has this 70% loan to value ratio, and you gotta pay that 36% tax on your gain, you can set off the deductions that are allocated to the IRA in the K-1 against that uh, unrelated debt financing income tax. That can be done. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's useless. And um, the, an IRA also cannot take accelerated depreciation. It can only take straight line depreciation. And this is a little, uh, a little bump that uh, a lot of uh, uh, lead investors, managers of these multifamily deals don't like about IRAs and the reason why some of them don't take IRAs because it's more work. You know, you have to run two different kinds of depreciation schedules if you're doing accelerated depreciation. So Henry, um, yeah. question for you because uh, something triggered my mind because I know some syndication, they, when someone invests with IRA, they don't get any uh, depreciation benefit. So you think that's a valid a valid way of doing it. I'm saying again, do I think what? Uh, some of the passive investor who invest with IRAs, they don't yeah. get any depreciation benefit right. out of it. So, so basically the CPAs, you know, they don't have to really allocate any depreciation for them, I guess, right? Uh, There's no need to allocate any depreciation well, that, for that, IRA that, investors. That, that's true, but if they, don't, if they don't allocate the depreciation, it's gonna skew the depreciation for all the rest of the, of the yeah. uh, investors and, and I don't know some CPA would have to tell you if that's a <laughs> if that's a uh, the proper thing to do I don't know but I mean I, yeah. I, I see what you're saying yeah um, I've, I've seen cases where you know if, if you invest with distribution I mean if you invest with IRA you know that you know that particular group of investors with IRA don't get anything and the rest everybody else takes the cut so yeah. I'm not sure how that works but uh, that's a CPA question. The CPA questions. Okay, got <laughs> yeah. it, got it. That's why I leave it to the CPAs. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, in, in, in uh, what we do is we just allocate everybody equally, whether IRA or not, but I know a lot of, I mean, there are people who does it differently and I just mm -hmm. don't know what is right or what. Now, here's, here's the other thing about the, uh, um, the uh, UDFI. Um, the, the, the tax on the gain to the IRA has to be assessed on the declining balance of the loan. <laughs> you know, so, so that, and, the, and so when the IRA account owner goes to report to the custodian at the end of the year, what the income is, and, and they got to report the, the, the gain on the investment, but they also have to report what the uh, taxable amount they owe for the, for the UDFI, the only way the, uh, account owner can get that information about the declining balance of the loan is from the, the, the manager, from the lead investor. And that's, that could be some, uh, a lot of work uh, to really delve down into that kind of a calculation. But, and not too, not too many people even know that that's how the, the tax on uh, unrelated, debt, debt in, unrelated debt financing income is based, uh, but it is. So it can be can be a complex thing for a um, a manager or lead investor if the IRA account owner is savvy enough to ask for it. 
I don't think a lot of these IRA account owners really know what to ask for when it comes to minimizing the amount of, of uh, unrelated debt finance and income tax they have to pay. Okay. How many more slides to go, uh, Henry? Uh, I, I, I don't know, about seven or eight, maybe? Seven or eight. Okay, got it. Got it. We have a bunch of questions we have to answer at the okay. end. That's okay. Let's. Okay, so this is the last of it the SEP IRA and the solo 401k. Now, these are plans for self employed people. They can be established by individuals who have self employment income or who derive income through their solely owned LLCs or S corporations. Self employment income is you know, reported on a Schedule C. Now, a particular note here is that passive income does not qualify as self employment income. Self-employment income only comes from the sale of goods or services. And this is going to be particularly critical when we start talking about a solo 401k. With, with the SEP, the uh, allows only for employer contributions. So you are making contributions uh, for yourself and for your employees. And this, these are the limits right here that the, uh, the, contra the contributions of the SEP that can be made by the, by the owner of the business. Uh, if you make it, you can make it for yourself if you want to, obviously. But in order for an employee to be able to receive a contribution from your SEP, they have to work for three out of the last five years and be over 21 years of age. A SEP can be self-directed. Once again, if the money in there can, can be uh, uh, directed into any kind of uh, passive investment that the IRS allows. Now, Here's a solo 401k. I, I, I like this a lot. This is for self-employed individuals with no employees. Allows for contribution, allows for you as the sole owner of the business to make a contribution on behalf of yourself as an employee and as an employer. You get two bites at the apple. And the employee segment of the contribution is based on the lesser of earned income or 19,500 a year. The employer side is based on 20% of self-employment income up to, up to $57,000 for, uh, for the year for 2020. So that's, that's really nice to, nice thing to set up for yourself. And, um, total contributions can go as high as 63,000 if you're, over 50 years of age. Now, um, good thing about the solo 401k, it's self-directed. The owner has custody and control of the plan assets of all the money. Interestingly, the solo 401k, when it invests in a multifamily deal, does not, uh, as a passive investor, does not pay UDFI. It still, it doesn't get, doesn't get the benefit of depreciation, but it doesn't pay the UDFI. Uh, if you pick the right sole K plan, you can have a Roth conversion component, or as you go along through the years, you can convert money into, uh, into a Roth aspect. You pay tax on it as you make the conversion, but you can easily build up your, um, uh, your Roth account that way. And the right kind of plan can also provide what's called a mega Roth contribution. That is, Let's say you've got the $57,000 cap on what you can contribute during the year from your business, but you only contributed based on the formula, you could only contribute $45,000. The mega Roth allows you to take other money, other cash on hand 
$12,000 in this instance, between the 45,000 and the cap of 57, and invest it into the Roth IRA in the solo 401k, the Roth component of the IRA. I mean, that's, that, that's a sweet deal. That, you just jump right over the Roth limitations by doing a mega Roth uh, contribution, but not all solo 401ks provide for those. You, need, you, have, to, you have to find out find those out. Now, the thing about the minimum, about the solo 401k is that you have to have a minimum, minimum annual income, earned income exceeding $5,000. If you can do that, uh, it, it, it's a sweet deal. I have a lot of clients that uh, uh, are interested in uh, a Roth IRA, the solo 401k, but they're employed, a full-time employee, employment, and I say, well, look, can you can you find some business, some consulting business you can do on the side and earn more than $5,000? Because if you can, you can create one of these solo 401ks and just have yourself a real sweet deal. So that's the end. This is what my website looks like, uh, henrynovak.com. This is the landing page. You click on unlock your 401k and you come to this page. Uh, you know, we'll show you how to unlock your 401k. And that's the top of the page. I don't have the whole page here. That's the top of it. This is the bottom of it. Uh, you see the, what I've just gone through with you, the, the pay tax component, the deferred tax element. But down here at the bottom of the page, the lower left-hand side, you see that uh, the words click here to fill out our intake form. You click there and then this pops up. This is a, um, um, an interactive PDF file. So you can just type right into it and you just fill that out and you, you finish it, you hit enter and the retirement plan partition intake form comes straight into our computer system and, and, and we begin the process. So Got it. my contact information uh, and I look forward to um, working with any of you who are interested in pursuing this. I happily give free consultations. So you want further information, you just call me up and, and uh, tell me you're on James' webinar and I'll be happy to, happy to talk to you. Sure, sure. Thanks, Henry. Uh, so let's take down questions. Before that, I want to clarify some terms that you use. I think you talked about some lead investor. I think you're talking about deal sponsor, right? Where people put together deals together. Okay, deal sponsor, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. So. Let's go, I don't know whether you can see the questions. There's, a, there's like 19 mm -hmm. questions right now, but one of the most asked question is, what are the states that this thing, uh, the withdrawal 401k without penalty is applied and is proven? Or well, the, if, if um, uh, they, they, it applies in all states, okay? Because it's, it's a creature of ERISA, the federal statute. And the federal statute covers, uh, covers all the states. Now, the thing about it is, as I indicated earlier in the beginning, uh, I've associated a lawyer in Los Angeles and he's got all my documents. I just, you know, we had an agreement where I uh, allowed him to use those and he can do that now for residents in California. For residents of other states, the, what has to happen is uh, I need to work with, with, with you, the potential client, in uh, finding a lawyer in the city that you live in, whatever state you live in that's familiar with these qualified domestic relations orders. So what we look for is typically, what I wanna look for is a lawyer who's, who specializes or has a large component of his or her practice in family law. 
because they're divorce cases. They're used to the, the quadro procedure and all we're really doing is substituting a marital property agreement for a divorce decree in, the, in that quadro. So a family law lawyer would, uh, uh, would speak the language that I want to hear. So uh, if, if you uh, uh, live in, 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 in place, someplace other than Texas or California and you would like to do this, that's the first thing I would ask you to do is hit the ground running, finding a family law lawyer. And then uh, you would, uh, I would ask you then to, uh, you know, just tell that lawyer that you've, you've heard about this program where uh, a, a 401k uh, account can be uh, distributed without a 10% early withdrawal penalty through the use of a marital property agreement. And would you, local lawyer, be willing to talk to this lawyer in Texas? And if you are, I'll give uh, him your contact information you give it to me and I call the lawyer and we have a conversation and hopefully they would say, sure, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. The other question is federal employees, TSP, allow participation. No, sorry. Uh, yeah. the, the thrift savings plan for the government FERS, uh, the federal employee retirement system limits, they do, they do quadros, but they limit them to divorce decrees and legally separated spouses. That's it. Okay. No child support, no marital property agreements. Yeah, uh, the next question is the non-working spouse is a real estate professional. Can we transfer the 401k proceeds to spouses self-directed 401k? No, no, but, but a, mar a married, if you're a married, uh, if you're a married couple and one of, the, one of the marriage partners is a real estate professional, you can do the, you can do everything that, uh, that, that the law that the IRS allows. So you can, you can set off your passive income against, I mean, your passive losses against ordinary income. You can do that. You, you the, the, yeah, as long as your spouse is a real estate professional, that's cool. Now, by real estate professional, I'm talking about uh, not, a, not just a real estate agent, but the real estate professional in the, uh, in, in the eyes of the IRS. And that is you've, you've done the 750 hours per year and all the other requirements that it takes. Uh, to become a real estate professional. That's what I'm talking about. Is there any and tax impl implication when you transfer to a spouse? Any tax implications? No, no. No, no, no what? You can't, you, 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 the only, you can't transfer IRAs, inter, they, they don't transfer interspousally. <laughs> you can't, you can't you're, you're disqualified individuals as to each other's IRAs. You can't do that. You'd have to just pull the money out of an IRA and give it to your spouse, uh, but you you can't. If I'm understanding the question correctly, you you can't assign your IRA to your spouse's IRA. That will not work. Okay. The next question: Can we do reoccurring 401k transfers into alternate payee account? Uh, I'm not sure I understand exactly yeah. what that is, but I will say what comes to my mind is I, I do have clients that have we've gone back for a second bite at the apple. And a couple of clients who did the big uh, uh, 401k cash outs in uh, 2017, and they came back in this year and went back and they, a couple of them had built uh, their 401ks back up to like 80,000 or $70,000. And they, they did it again. And the, the plan administrator just didn't bat an eye. They just, you know, they just signed off on it. Yeah, I have, a, I have an investor who went through the whole process and uh, invested the money into syndication. So mm -hmm. um, 
let's can the can the alternate payees account continue to get contribution from spouse and employer match that after no, the order no 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 that's once that goes into the uh, uh, comes out of the 401k it goes into the alternate payee account it it uh, uh, it, it, it will earn income if the court order provides that it earns income until it's distributed it, it would it would it would accrue income but generally it doesn't at the point of what they call the plan administrators called segregation on the date of segregation that's the date the money is moved out of the participants account into the alternate payees account that's at that point the the uh, the um, account is a uh, it's not subject to any further contributions. And if the market goes down now, then, you know, you can lose some money in the, in the alternate payee's account. But uh, other than that, the alternate payee is not an employee and therefore has to take the money out. I think the, the maximum amount of time I've heard that the money can stay there is like six months before it has to be withdrawn. And okay. if it's not withdrawn in six months, the, and I'm not totally sure about this, but I think it's not withdrawn in six months, then the plan administrator would convert it to a, a, an IRA and just take it out of the plan. Yep. Will the money include employee's contribution? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. everything, right? Because everything that's a whole, the whole thing. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah. how, how often we need to do we are able to do this procedure every year as monies keep accumulating. I think you said you can. Yeah, I think I just answered that. I wouldn't go, yeah. I wouldn't be going knocking on the door <laughs> too often, but uh, yeah. because remember that most of the plan administrators think this, when they get one of these qualified domestic relations orders, they automatically assume it's a divorce. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so also, if you have a divorce every, <laughs> every year for three or four years, something's going to look funny to them. Yeah, and, and I think they're asking about your fees. Three nine seven seven fees is every year, or is it one time? Oh, initial no, setup? no, no, that's that's one time fee. Yeah. Oh, it's a one time fee. Okay. And if you come back, come back in a couple of years and want to do it again, I just there's a thousand dollar discount in the next one. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Um, if your marginal tax rate is zero due to depreciation, would would distribution be not taxed? The no, the distribution is going to be taxed. Distribution is going to be taxed, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, what's going to do with marginal? What tax? It says if you if our marginal tax rate is zero due to depreciation, would distribution be not taxed? So, well, you, again, you can't. The twenty percent that's withheld is going to be added. I mean, the whole amount of the distribution is going to be added to your, your uh, gross income for the year. So you're not going to end up with a, with a zero tax rate. Did I understand that correctly, James? Is that? Yeah, I, I don't understand it well as well. So, you know, we will, I think maybe the, the person can send an email to you asking. Yeah, clarify yeah, the question. Yes. If yes, yeah. that's a good idea. If, if I yeah. haven't, answered uh, some of these questions to any of your satisfactions, please email me. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to answer them for sure. Yeah. One question is, can we transfer solo 401k money to cash value whole life policy? That's the insurance question. 
Well, you know, uh, there are uh, there are insurance policies out there that I think that that can be done with. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now there are certain the kinds of insurance agents who traffic in those kinds of policies. I I don't think they're very common, but I do know. Uh, my, my New York Life agent, I was talking to him about this some time ago, and he said, yeah, there are, they're, they're, they've got some of these uh, whole life uh, policies. High, whole life high cash value, yes, high cash value mm -hmm. policies. Yeah. Got mm -hmm. it. Can you go from, I, uh, can you move your money from IRA to HSA? Uh, IRA to HSA. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. You yep. can, okay. Uh, if we roll into self-directed Roth IRA, do we need to come up with additional 20% in cash to cover tax withholdings? Read that again. If, if, we, roll, if we roll into self-directed Roth IRA, do we need to come up with additional 20% in cash to cover the tax withholdings? I think I'm gonna answer the question the way I understand it. If the money is being rolled out of the, four, the 401k, into a Roth mm -hmm. uh, IRA, self-directed Roth IRA, then tax has to be paid on it at the time of the rollover. Okay, so they have to bring up some cash to cover the tax with. Right? Oh yeah, well you have to pay tax on it. Any, I mean, once it comes out of the the four hundred one k, is taxable. Now, uh, you, you you can roll it into a, a, the Roth IRA, planning for the future, right? To just build that up, so you begin creating a wealth of, of tax-free uh, income. But either way, whether you roll it into a Roth or you want to invest it, uh, you got to pay tax on it. Got it. Um, do you know if those with TRICARE can open HSA? I'm not sure what is TRICARE. I don't, I don't know that. T-R-I-CARE, C-A-R-E, TRICARE. So I don't know. Please, I don't, please, I don't send know a, please send a question direct to Henry. On an email, um, does UDFI apply to investment made with Roth IRAs? With Roth IRAs? Yes. Yes. Um, can you cover the early retirement withdrawal rules if impacted by COVID? What qualifies you as impacted by COVID? What qualifies, um, I'll tell you the best way to get a specific detailed answer is to contact your plan administrator mm -hmm. and say, I have been, uh, put the question this way, based on what I've heard about uh, CARES Act withdrawals through December 31st, I think I'm a qualified individual to, with, to take money out of my 401k or IRA. Would you please send me the requirements? Okay. now. Generally speaking, if you've been if you, a qualified individual is a person who has been adversely impacted by the, the COVID-19, it doesn't have to be you individually. It could be your spouse. Let's say you and your spouse were working. Uh, we're both working, both had full-time jobs. And uh, I'll just assume it's uh, the, uh, um, uh, the wife, the wife's job gets she gets laid off and now she has to stay home and take care of the kids. And that's an adverse effect. And even though you're not sick, you've been adversely impacted and that would qualify 
that will qualify you for the, the withdrawal. Now, um, early on, right after the CARES Act was passed, there was the IRS and the DOL, the Department of Labor, regulates, uh, reg oversees all of the 401k plans, uh, were scrambling for to create regulations that would apply to the withdrawals. And at first, it seemed as though you had to be able to document your financial loss uh, to, to show that you qualified, and then you could only take as much out of your, for, withdraw as much from your 401k or your IRA as you showed loss. But later on, that turns out not to be the case. The cap is $100,000, and whether apparently whether you've been adversely affected by like the $20,000 worth or $30,000, $40,000, you could take out $100,000. So now if you withdraw it from your 401k, they will let you spread the income tax over three years, okay? And at the end of the three-year period, if you wanted to put it back, want to put it back in your 401k, you could do that, and there would be no tax. Then you go back and you apply for a refund for the, for the years that you pay tax on it. Got it. Uh, on the 401k withdrawal, uh, can we reuse the original court order in the future if we want to do this multiple times, or do we uh -oh. need to go through the whole process? No. No, we have to do it. You have to do it It'd again. It'd be nice. I mean, it's a great idea. I like the way you're thinking, but you know, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the next question, if you have company-sponsored legal insurance, does it cover the attorney fee, which is like, you know, three, nine something, right? Three, nine, seven, seven something. No. So that's not covered, okay. Um, Okay, I think the last question was, can you explain why you have to be married? But I think you already covered that, I guess, right? So, explain what? Uh, why you have to be married to do this withdrawal without penalty? Well, because um, as I said earlier, the qualified domestic relations order must be based on a divorce, child support, or a marital property agreement. So, by definition, you know, you have to be married to enter into a marital property agreement. That's, that's why. Got it, got it. All right, Henry, I think uh, you have added tons of value to our audience and listeners. I mean, this we'll, we'll be doing it on a webinar basis as what we're doing right now. And I also will publish it as a podcast as oh, well. Good. So okay. for everyone else who have more questions, please, I mean, Henry's information is over here, henry at henrynovak.com. And uh, his website is henrynovak.com. Uh, um, please go and visit and, you know, you can get hold of him as well. And his phone number is listed here as well on the slides. Um, you can call him directly. Thank you very much, Henry. Okay, James. Thank you. Good night, all.